0: Let's roll. <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us today for Conditioning 101. Um, Peter, what's the most recent conditioning workout you have done?
1: Mm, conditioning. As you all dive into what the definitions could be, um, I would say probably the most recent I did this past week was I did a little series, something i had having my morning class do. So I got to practice what I preach. I, we did some, some swings into some goblet squats. So just finishing the swings right into that and then did a, a one-arm carry. Got a short little recovery, went again, and we went, I think we did about six rounds or so, and got uh, pretty thinking hard, a little harder than I wanted it to be, um, but, but it's good, and it's one of these things I just love to do with others. It's so hard to always do by yourself, so um, that, that would be an example of something you could do for sure.
0: Go go go, Kyle. What about you, man? <laughs> uh, I, I did a, a hard mile run yesterday, the first time in a while. I've uh, been good about doing my low intensity stuff uh, over the past, you know, however many, however many months. But I've been trying to get my frequency of my higher intensity stuff up a little bit. Um, and I'm, I'm in my past, I'm a sub six minute miler, and I wanted to get back to that. So I busted out a six fourteen yesterday, which I was happy <laughs> with. My calves are not happy with it today. Uh, but, and why do you <laughs> think that is? Because I didn't appropriately. Progress myself gradually as I will recommend to the rest of you later today. Kind of, kind of went for it uh, a little bit, but all is good. Happy with it. Keep it rolling. Um, well cool. Done. Well. Done. So, what even is conditioning? What are what are we talking about here? Um, we are going to use conditioning today to refer to your uh, your cardiovascular system performance or to any exercise done with the intent of improving that cardiovascular system performance. Yeah. So kind of almost inter- interchangeable with the word, you know, cardio, that might be, you know, kind of thrown around a little bit more familiarly. We like the word conditioning just because it's a little bit more broad again, like kind of like, you know, we had two very different workouts, Peter and I, uh, that we just did, but we were both trying to improve the performance of that cardiovascular system. Um, so we like that kind of can be a bigger umbrella term. A lot of people also just have a negative connotation with the word cardio. They just picture you know, slaving away on some device and not, not having a great time doing it. So, Hey, conditioning, Hey, we are trying to improve something here. This isn't just a, something that you just go do to get out. Yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not hamsters here. Yeah. We're exactly. not on a test, been on a wheel for hours. You yeah. definitely don't do that. Yeah. Cool. So that that's what we're talking about. What are our main topics today? Why conditioning matters? Number one, number two, how to improve it, how to improve your conditioning. And number three, how to assess where you're at right now. Um, and you know, see whether or not you're okay with that or not. Okay, so let's start with number one. Why does conditioning matter? Um, the big reason is just going to be longevity. Okay, um, a study of the VO2 max, which we'll talk about more in a second, but VO2 max is just a you know, one thing you can use to uh, assess the conditioning level of an individual. Um, of 120,000 adults came up with the following results. Um, so if you're just listening and not watching, what I, we just pulled up as a graph here, um. The 120,000 adults were grouped by age and gender, um, and then ranked uh, by VO2 max and kind of placed in different quartiles. There's the low quartile, like the bottom 25%, below average, 25 to 50th percentile, above average, 50 to 75th, uh, the high quartile, um, 75th to 97.5, and then the elite group, kind of the top 2.5%. And then they were all compared to the lowest fitness group in terms of their all cause mortality how likely was uh, were, are they to pass away in the next year um, so there was you know the study was done and then they kind of followed up with them for a, kind of a, i believe the median time was about 8 years follow up um, and as you can see here if you're watching um, what I'll tell you now if you're just listening even the below average quartile it was already a 50% uh, you know they were they were half as likely to pass away in the next year than the lowest quartile group. So a massive change, even just going from the worst to eh, not quite so good. <laughs>
1: even average, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and then that that trend continues as you move through kind of to the higher levels of fitness. And so kind of looked at another way, um, the the graph we just pulled up here kind of shows the comparison of any one group versus another. Um, And kind of looking at the hazard ratio again, what is the kind of the the risk reduction um, in in all cause mortality here? So looking at the low group versus the elite group, the elite group had a 500% risk reduction compared to the low group in their all cause mortality. To give you a sense of how impressive that is, um, we all know how terrible smoking is for your health, right? Even smoking versus non-smoking was a 40% uh, increase in risk, right? So, 500% 500% versus 40% for smoking gives you a, a sense of kind of the magnitude of the effect here, um, with, you know, kind of you know, other risk factors here, like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, all kind of in that kind of similar zone. Um, just so the, the, the magnitude of the effect here is, is big. Uh, and now there's no way to isolate this variable, right? So the individuals who have a higher to VO, higher VO two max, they might also be eating healthier and doing other things that, you know, uh, results in their having a lower all cause mortality. Um, but all the same, when the effect is this great, you know that there is something going on here.
1: And we're not encouraging you again to start smoking or do some other <laughs> things like, shoot, I just got to train. But just like, like Kyle was saying, just to give you an understanding of the um, the magnitude. It's just so, so important training. Again, love that everybody on here, you guys are training, you're actively practicing what you preach. Um, for those that, again, are listening, if you get a chance, come back to this slide and even just take a, a screenshot of it and and share with some of those people who really are hesitant to do any kind of movement and just let them see this and how big of an impact training can have, um, again, for any stage of your life.
0: Yep. And even just getting started can, can have, yeah. yeah. Um, and thanks to, to Peter TF for kind of uh, pointing us on to these graphics here. Peter Atia. if you have not heard of him is a you know, big name in the longevity space right now, you're going to hear his name a few more times today. Um, okay. So why does conditioning matter? Longevity, num- number one, right? Number two, you just have more options. You have more things you can do with those increased years to your life, right? So you can do more things or just do things with less effort. Um, so pulling up another graphic here from Peter Atia's book, uh, Outlive, um, that shows what uh, VO2 max, different activities kind of correspond to. Yeah. So, you know, running 10 miles an hour, running a six minute mile, that's, you know, almost a 60 VO2 max, you know, that, that takes a really impressive conditioning ability. But as you move down the ladder here, you know, briskly climbing stairs, running six miles an hour, slowly climbing stairs, walking three miles an hour up a steep hill, or even a slight incline, you know, these things that you might take for granted now. If you look at the graph here, the the average fitness individual, you know, the kind of 50th percentile, um, and by the time they're in their later decades, you know, some of those tasks are either going to be not doable for them anymore, or at least, you know, they're very near their max. They're doing those things with immense effort, um, you know, making them not so fun to do. So if you want to, you know, travel and, you know, go walk around a city all day, that's, you know, do you want to do max effort conditioning work all day? Probably not. You might not do those things anymore, right? Um, So, kind of like we talked about in our strength 101. If you want to be, you know, thriving and living this independent life when you're 90, you, n- you need to start now because you're not, you can't be an average 90 year old and do those things. You need to be in the top percentile. And there's a natural decline with age here that you can see on the graph to all these groups, the average fitness group, the low fitness group, the high fitness group. Um, so you know, the closer you can get up to that higher levels of fitness now, you're going to reap those rewards later. Yeah, And then a
1: lot of you guys, again, that are you know, probably around Kyle and I age, you know, we're in 20s and 40s here. But you can see, like I said, even just looking at the elite, it's just such a um, an eye opening just to see the, the, the decrease. That slope is so steep uh, with why it's so important to keep challenging, keep pushing yourself. Um, and uh, like I was saying, not waiting. Um, but... You know, realizing that the what you're putting in now, like I said, it can it can really provide a lot of benefits long term and, and knowing that this is not just something I do for a little bit and I just get to kick back to my feet up. But like, no, this is a, a lifelong endeavor. This is something we want to do if you want to be able to, again, looking at the stuff on the right hand side, like, hey, I want to be able to you know, climb stairs, you know, briskly. If you're, you know, 35 years old, you're like, what's the big deal? But if you're 55, all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot. Like, <laughs> you know, just, just watch our parents or grandparents or some other people or mentors that we have and just see the, some of the struggles that they're going to. And this, this graph will come to life.
0: Yep. Um, so, okay. You're, you're all in now, you know, this is important. Okay. <laughs> how, how do you want to, how do you improve your conditioning though? Is the, is the question that we come to now. So the simplest answer, move more get your heart rate up, right? If, if, if this is all new to you, it, the answer could be that simple. You'll still see some positive benefit, even with just that simple of advice, right? It doesn't need to be rocket science right away. Pick things you enjoy. Because again, like Peter just said, this isn't something that we're, you know, let's just do a real hard three months of conditioning and then put it off for a few years. Like this should be a lifelong thing that you are making time for uh, in your routine that you're prioritizing in your routine. So pick things you enjoy. If you like, ah, I just can't stand ellipticals. Well that's great. There's a lot of other things you can do. So don't don't do the elliptical then. Right? Pick things you enjoy, have fun doing this. Um even just increasing your step count has benefit. Um you know, pulling up a study here from uh that looked at uh, uh, it was a meta-analysis of 15 different studies on steps and all-cause mortality. Um showing a 60% drop in all-cause mortality from the lowest quartile around 3.5 thousand uh, steps a day to the highest quartile, you know, about uh, almost 11,000 steps a day, um, and there's even a 40% drop um, just to get even to the second lowest quartile. So again, kind of like you saw with the other graph on VO2 max, even as getting started has benefit, even just getting moving has benefit. Um, but would we say that, you know, just walking more is sufficient to get you to that 95th percentile? Um, no, absolutely not. So again, you know, if we want to thrive, not just survive, we're going to do even more than this. Um, but if you're doing nothing right now, it, it could be this simple to start.
1: And on that things you enjoy, just can't overemphasize that enough. Like, uh, like going on a treadmill in a gym with hundreds of other people to me is 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 torture. That was almost anything I'd I'd rather do than that. Um, you know, and it could be I'm going to park a block away and I'm going to just you know take a little walk for lunch. I'm uh, I'm going to play with my kids and get up and down off the floor a few times. Like just find ways to do that and things that make you smile, things that are, are fun and they don't necessarily feel like work, but you're moving. You're not just sitting there being stagnant.
0: Yep. Yep. Well said. Um, so a, a slightly less simple answer, I'd say a better answer. Um, we're going to talk about how to do both low intensity and higher intensity work because those both have unique benefits. So those, you might hear, you've you know done some research into this. Sometimes people are kind of all in one camp or the other. Oh, Hey, just, just do low intensity work. Just build your base. Some people are all high intensity. Just go all out. You can save yourself so much time. Um, both are right. (laughs) There's benefits to both, right? So what are benefits of doing lower intensity cardiovascular work, lower intensity conditioning work? Um, You're improving your aerobic energy system. So the energy system that uses oxygen to create energy to to do stuff. Um, This system is incredibly efficient. um, So you can use it for a long time. It can't produce energy incredibly fast, which is why we have other systems we'll use in a second. Um, But this is the system you're using the vast majority of the time in life. Yeah.
1: I yeah, think thing like that, your, your pyramid, like mm-hmm. I know we talked about in a previous one is that the bigger we can get that base, it's going to improve almost everything you'll do. Yeah. Um, so just like I said, simplifies that. And it's such an important piece to have that stable base.
0: Improves your, your mitochondrial efficiency. Those are two big words there. But if you remember from your bio class, you know, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. At least for my generation, that's like the one thing. No, it's I, don't, I don't know why. but <laughs> um, So yeah, when you have more efficient mitochondria, they can you know do more with, with less. And uh, that's going to improve just about everything about you. Improved cardiac output. So uh, this type of work uh, Im- improves the size of your left ventricle that's pumping blood to the rest of your body, um, which is kind of unique to this style of work. Um, so that's a big benefit. And then there's less recovery cost to this kind of work. Um, it's not, it's more parasympathetic, more kind of rest and recover type work. It's not super kind of activating of your sympathetic, your fight or flight nervous system. Um, so there's not as much recovery cost from this kind of work, um, benefits of high intensity work you can improve your anaerobic energy system. So the system that kind of comes online um, when the aerobic system isn't producing energy fast enough. Um, so if I'm, you know, doing either quick, quick short bursts of effort, I'm going to be using this. If I all of a sudden need to go all out and go, go max, hey, it doesn't matter that this system can't produce energy for forever. My body's going to use that to, you know, get me to sprint across the airport before my plane leaves or whatever the, whatever the case may be there. Right. Um, this will improve your ability to clear lactate buildup. So if you're familiar with the burning sensation in your muscles from your high school mile time test, you know, um, getting better at clearing that lactate will allow you to perform better or to perform again sooner. Um, you'll just improve your ability to push it when needed. Again, you know, even if you're not doing a ton of things in your day-to-day that require this system, you'll be happy that you have access to it whenever you do need it. Um, and then there's less time costs to this kind of work because it's higher intensity. You can't do it as long. So, hey, maybe it's easier to put at the end of the workout or squeeze into your day somewhere. Um, that's, that's one of the benefits of doing some higher intensity work.
1: But just, of course, we want to look at doing both. Yes. It's not one or the other. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Our life is not built on that unless you're a lab rat living in one thing. But yeah, there's going to be times you got to go and then times you just got to move, but it's got to be efficient, something you can do for a long period of time. So just yeah, f- find ways as we dive into this deeper to make sure you have, um, are able to do both.
0: Yeah, they are not doing the same thing. That there are, there are different adaptations you're getting from them. So I don't think you could do one and, and you know get the benefits of the other. Um, so... Let's elaborate that on, on that a little bit more. Um, if you're just listening, what we just pulled up was a graph and um, that I'll kind of describe you now. On the x-axis, in the bottom of the graph there, we have work intensity. And on the y-axis, we have blood lactate concentration. So that's just kind of the way that the uh, the training zones um, that, you know, that, that encompass the various intensities um, are kind of defined by is how much lactate is in your blood. We're going to put that into kind of real world terms for you here in a second. Um, but as the work intensity goes up, so does the blood lactate. And there's a couple kind of key markers here that kind of differentiate different training zones you can use. Okay? So what is low intensity work? Uh, low intensity work is kind of known as zone zone one and zone two. Yeah, if you see on the graph here, that is where there's not much lactate in your blood. It's kind of below two millimole per liter. Okay? Um, zone one is basically your kind of life, Walk, walking around, doing basic daily tasks. You don't even think about what you're doing as uh, exercise, essentially. Um, but even just like, you know, kind of your basic walking would, would kind of fall into that category. Yeah. The zone two, uh, there's no real like, clear delineation of what, would, you know, separate zone one from zone two, but zone two is just kind of refers to the higher end of this range where you're kind of pushing the limits of this aerobic energy system before that anaerobic system comes online more. Um, you're staying, kind of getting close to that two millimole threshold. What that might feel like to you is kind of you're at the limit of nasal breathing. You know, so maybe you're doing some work and you're, like you can breathe through your nose, but it's getting hard. It's it's still sustainable for like an hour. You still could talk during this, but you probably wouldn't want to. Um, sometimes on Wednesdays I'm doing my my some zone two work and Peter will come over to ask me a question and then I can uh, yeah. Um uh yeah, that's uh yeah, on Wednesdays I'm I'm free. Yeah. So like I, I can get words out, But I don't really want to. I'm kind of glad when he goes away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's kind of what zone two refers to is just kind of the, the higher end of that. that stage right um so this would be your lower intensity work again incredibly beneficial for you building that aerobic system okay as we cross that aerobic threshold cross that two millimole uh threshold we're now kind of getting into all of the zones we're going to kind of lump together as higher intensity work yeah um the intensity and duration um, of these zones are kind of inversely correlated meaning the harder you're going, the less long you're able to sustain that pace. You're now beyond sustainable work. Um, and just how quickly you die out depends on how hard you're going. Um, so, you know, zone, zone three to zone four kind of what's referred to as kind of these zones before you cross your lactate threshold, around four millimoles per liter, if you care about those numbers, that would kind of feel to you like you're like running a hard mile a hard two mile. Again, like things are these tests aren't over immediately. You can sustain that pace for a while but it sucks. Like you're, you're glad when the test is over. Right. And then kind of getting into like zone five, uh, is kind of where the clock's ticking. You don't have long uh, to be here. now. So
1: based on here. like your mile that you ran yesterday, yeah. how would you describe that? Would My describe mile,
0: that? I, I'm kind of hanging right around zone four for most of that thing. Kind of like around that, that lactate threshold running. And I'm like, this sucks. If I s- sprint harder than this, I'm going to die out in the next hundred feet. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. I can sustain this pace for a mile. Um, uh, maybe, but, but could you do it? Yeah. Uh, could you do a 5k at that pace? I currently, right now, could not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Some could, some could. So, like, how? against how long you sustain these paces uh, is uh, again depending on your fitness level. There's a lot of variation here, um, but just understand that the general concept of once you get into these high intensity zones, the clock is ticking. Yeah. Um, exactly when it expires is just uh, up to how hard you're going and how fit you are, right? Um, so, how do you assess your conditioning level? Yeah, you your your body on the Y now. Okay, you know you need to do high and low intensity. Well, where am i at now where, where where should i where should i start how fit am i currently um so there's a few easy to administer uh, assessments that we're going to cover first here first one is your resting heart rate um your resting heart rate uh, lower is better and kind of below 60 is a good goal um this is just a measure kind of of your aerobic fitness um of your kind of how parasympathetic your your body uh, is how kind of is shifted into rest and recovery mode you are um so there'll be some fluctuation here day to day if you're under higher stresses might be a little higher, but on average you want to shoot for uh, a lower number here.
1: Yeah. And, and some people, I I I've I have a um a client who's a rower. Um his all of his data, his metrics, everything is, is just up higher naturally. Like when he was in college, his max higher it was like 219. And you know, the whole two twenty minus your age, it's like, how's that possible? <laughs> you know, just like his whole thing was shifted. So his his uh max or his resting higher when he was, you know, in his best fitness condition was probably like 75. But for the average, the majority of people under that bell curve, this is a great way to pick. And then like Kyle was saying, lower is better, it's more efficient, Uh, but don't just go, oh man, I'm I'm 70, I've been doing this and doing this and nothing's good happened. Like give yourself a little slack. You might be a little bit on on the end of the spectrum. Yeah,
0: because there's more variables here. There's not, I can't give you a good graph of like, oh, this is top 20%, this is next 20%, et cetera. Like we did with some other variables earlier. Um, But just know that wherever you are right now, lower would be better. Um, Then going into another uh, assessment option, a heart rate recovery test. This is one we like a lot. Um, You're going to record your heart rate immediately after getting your heart rate up real high. So I'm doing whatever that is to to do that. You know, some sort of hard cardiovascular effort. Um, What's my heart rate at? Rest completely. Um, We kind of prefer, you know, laying down on your back just to have minimal variables. Uh, But as long as you're consistent with how you're resting, you could use this test again. Um, Record your heart rate again uh, in a minute is kind of the most commonly done amount of time. You, you could do less, you could do more. Uh, but you know, less for the purpose of this, we'll just say record your heart rate in a minute and then subtract the difference. So getting like 30 beats lower in a minute, uh, again, is, is a good goal. Like, like with heart resting heart rate, there's, you know, you'll see a wide swath of variation there, but the more you can recover in a minute, the better.
1: Yeah. It's like above 30 would be kind of that above average. If we go yeah. back a couple slides. If we're getting like 40 and above, now you're getting closer to that elite level, yeah. you know, and same thing going in the other direction
0: yeah Uh, so just last couple things there the higher you get your heart rate before the test the better so if you like just go for a walk while you plan to get your heart rate up high enough to even Mm -hmm. see it drop significantly so you know get get it up high to to do this test and then be consistent with what rest means so if one time you lay down but the other time you're still walking around but just a little slower like you're going to Get yeah. different amounts of recovery. So if you're doing this test repeated times, which you should, um, be consistent with what the rest means. Laying down is kind of the easiest. Just removes, removes yeah, and think about
1: those. pushing yourself to the, again the previous one, like zone five, somewhere yeah. up there. This is not sustainable. I cannot do this yeah. for a long period of time. If you're looking at heart rate data, it's above ninety percent.
0: Yeah, give, mm-hmm. give your heart rate room to drop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, last easy to administer one, just any repeatable fitness test you could use to assess your conditioning level. So, you know, you could do just the classic, you know, time, time to mile run. <laughs> and if your time improves, you got fitter. Or, hey, maybe for a certain amount of time, you're going for distance. Hey, how far did I get in that time? Did I get further the next time? I got fitter. Um, so you'd have, you know, endless options here. And if there's anything that's relevant to you, you could use that as one barometer of your conditioning level. Yeah. Um, some other options we could get into, um, kind of a little bit more technical. Uh, VO2 max. Again, we discussed that earlier. Um, why is this is used so much in lab settings? Is that it's just a, a metric that they can assess uh, very, very accurately, um, as opposed to you know these are things that have more variation that we just discussed earlier. Um, it is a measure of the maximum rate your muscles can extract oxygen from your blood and put it to use. Okay. Yeah. So again, you could go to a lab and measure this. Almost in every you know major city, there's going to be somewhere where you could. Uh, pay to have this done, but you can also be estimated in various ways. If you remember, if you're doing our online program and in our December program, we did a six-minute uh, max effort test on the bike, and then we're converting uh, your wattage and your weight uh, into a little online calculator to estimate your VO2 max. Right, kind of like the any other fitness test. Well, just repeat the same test and you get better. Well, you got better. <laughs> um, but either knowing this number exactly or having an estimate for it is awesome because here you do have the ability to compare yourself to a large amount of population data. So what we, the figure we have pulled up on the screen here, if you're just listening, just shows uh, for both for women and for men, kind of each decade of life, what is low, below average, above average, high, and elite values. Again, using that same quartile system here uh, with elite being just the top uh, 2.5%. So, hey, where, where am I at now? Where do I stack up? Am I okay with that? Am I okay being below average or or just high? Do I want to be elite? You know, uh, do I want to be elite for the decade younger than me? You know, or two what, decades? What, yeah. Whatever goal is yeah. relevant to you, chase it down. Again, we're not here to tell you how uh, how far to take this. Like that, that that's up to you. Uh, but just really, the the further, the better.
1: And then going back to that previous slide from Mattia, Um, You know, looking at the right-hand side of that one with regards to, I want to be able to run up those stairs fast. Well, what does that look like? What do I need to do based upon here? Now you can have some actual data measurements that you can try to aim for when you, if you do that, that six minutes estimated or you go to a lab, but now this can kind of really give you a a depiction of what that is. And then we're going to dive into the training aspect. Now, how do we, how do we improve that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And then last one we'll talk about is kind of your zone two output. Um, so this is a measure of the power of your aerobic system before your lactate level hits two millimoles per liter, what we talked about in the last slide. So instead of doing a max effort test here, you're looking at, hey, what is the, the, the best uh, power output I could do, but still staying in that zone? How, how good is that aerobic system on, on its own without kind of kicking into to maximum level uh, efforts. Right? Like, what if I what if I can't measure my blood, my blood like What should I do? What's most, another way? Most people cannot. Um, so <laughs> what you're going to do is just kind of use those other zone two guidelines that we talked about. Hey, what's my, you know, kind of nasal breathing conversational limit. Um, the test should be like at least 30 minutes long um, to, to, you know, kind of accurately, you know, ensure that you're uh, not just, you know, uh, cutting, cutting it short a little bit. Um, and then, hey, what power am I out putting on the bike? You know, compare that to my my weight. Uh, Tia loves uh, a goal of three Watts per kilogram, which is really good. Um, so, but again, it's kind of like the other things. Wherever you throw one mark is kind of you know random. The, the higher, the better. You could also think of this as, hey, if I'm gonna limit my uh, running pace to this i'm gonna i'm gonna go for a run but only be nasal breathing you know should be able to converse still what's my what's my mile pace while i'm at that pace so oh, it wasn't a it was a nine minute mile now it's an eight forty five. okay my my zone two running pace has improved you know so instead of looking at only max effort tests looking at what can you do in zone two is another thing uh, that you could look at
1: something i've had some people do guess because i'm weird i guess some people say is <laughs> i i hold them tape their mouth i've had people put like water that they're swishing it in their mouth and as soon as they want to start breathing with their mouth, they'll know they're going too hard. But just as a way to go, no, this is how we're going to do that. Because you can get going and you're running. Next thing you know, you're breathing through your mouth. You don't even realize it. Um, but sometimes like if I've done something by myself. That's something that I will do to just like, no, I, I can go as hard as I want here, but I can't spit this out or whatever that might be. So I can't swallow.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good it's a good constraint if you're trying to stay in that zone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, perfect. Um, so. Sent you to summarize now. What what do you need to do? Let's kind of put this all in into action again. So number one, let's let's set a goal. Okay. Hey, um, are you just trying to move more? Are you just getting started? Hey, I, this is all great. The stat is good. I'm just gonna start with walks though, because I'm not doing anything right now. Okay, great. <laughs> you're you're getting rolling. Um, are you trying to improve your view to max? Hey, did you get that tested somewhere or use our estimate and you're not happy with where you're at and you want to see that get better? Great. Is there a performance goal? Hey, you want to get your 5k down to X time. Great. Whatever it is, right? No, we're, this should be something that we're all working on, whether we're in that lowest quartile or the elite quartile. So what the goal is, is going to uh, widely vary depending on the individual, but let's, let's have a goal. And um, assess where you are right now and okay? depending on what the goal is, the assessment you pick uh, will vary, but that could be any of the ones we went over, you know, your, your resting heart rate test, your heart rate recovery, using a specific performance test, getting your VO2 max tested, looking at your zone two output. Yeah, just have some idea of where you're at right now and what you're trying to see uh, improve with that goal um, and then have a plan. Okay. So let's uh, start by choosing modalities for both low and high intensity. By modalities, we mean kind of, well, what exactly are you doing? Running, biking, hiking. Um, so there's, again, kind of no limit to the number of options you pick here, as long as something that gets your heart rate up that, that your body can withstand. So as we kind of look at a few kind of common options here, you know, running, biking, hiking, uh, could be any sort of play, you know, tennis or whatever the course may be. Um, things to consider here are what is kind of the – the, the orthopedic cost or kind of the, the impact cost on your body from these things. Um, so biking, for example, it's, it's, or, or swimming is another good one. These are very low impact and um, kind of cons- concentric only movements where you're basically uh, producing force, but never absorbing force. I'm only pushing down on, on pedals, right. And swimming, I'm, I'm pushing through water. The water never pushes back against me. I never go backwards against it. Right. Um, running on the other hand, I have to absorb my body weight on the ground and then push back off. And what's the difference there? Um, one, like uh, an eccentric muscle contraction, as you might know from your strength workouts with us, um, it makes you more sore. My calves are really sore from that mile run yesterday. I did not <laughs> properly um build build myself up for it appropriately. Um, that would not have happened if I did a really hard bike effort. I could have gotten a similar cardiovascular response with less calf soreness. <laughs> so it's just something to be aware of that's a potential cost. There's also, you know, you're more likely to get overuse injuries um, from things like running that have that kind of that impact cost associated with it. Um, don't just uh, hop into, you know, incredibly intensive training programs that your body isn't prepared to take on that kind of impact. You have—you don't have to be as cautious with things like biking or swimming. Um, the play options here we love, again, we, we want you to enjoy this kind of working and it. should be something that you're not having fun with. Um, so if there's, if you're, if you love, pick a ball or tennis and, or something like that, hey, that, that can totally be your modality. Um, if you want to be nerdier about it, you could strap on a heart rate monitor during those activities and kind of see, Hey, where, where does that put you? Are you actually getting the benefit that you think you're getting out of this. If you're, if your play is badminton with your, a four-year-old grandkid maybe it's not that <laughs> stimulating you know <laughs> um but so you could you could kind of see hey is my form of play actually getting me into the kind of the zone i'm i'm thinking that it is um for me to count it as my, as my yeah.
1: word. and a lot of people when you think of play too it's kind of nice because you tend to do both of those modalities the higher and the lower end you know you, and again if you're playing with your four-year-old you know grandchild maybe not but yeah. <laughs> um but you're in the low end and you're off your feet or you're up on your feet so that's good um but yeah i encourage lots of many different options so your body doesn't get used to the same thing over and over we'll become more efficient at that yes but it also will tend to develop more overuse stuff in that whether there's impact or whether there's not impact um just even there's swimming hey can i change up my strokes Can i get my body different things um you know if i sit all day at work and then i get on a bike and i you know i'm sitting on a bike there i'm always in this shortened hip stage or my head's forward my shoulders are forward well what's some other things that i can do to play so just kind of You know, open up the horizons there, you know, for those when you get a level or two deep, you have a foundation, you're starting to think, hey, what else could I do? Hey, if this is good, what could be maybe one step up? So those are some things that I like to kind of mimic in there. Uh, And then another, you know, kind of, you know, some of Kyle's stuff there, too, is some stuff will have impact. Some of those things that have these eccentric forces. Some of you guys that, you know, bone density is a huge concern. Well, maybe I might choose some of these over other ones. But again, at what the cost. So these are just a lot of different variables. And if there's things that we can do to help or even help guide you guys along here, definitely reach out to us uh, to help kind of get you moving in the right direction. But these are all things that we think about when we're writing and designing programs for ourselves, for each other, for our clients. Um, There's just a lot there, which which is great. We're not, you know, only can use a treadmill at Planet Fitness. That's it. You know, that would be terrible. I would hate life if that's what all my only
0: options. Hey, but even me as a big nerd yeah. who kind of likes data, I kind of like doing uphill yeah. walking for my zone two work on a treadmill because I can know exactly what pace I'm at and see myself improve mm-hmm. 0.1 miles per hour at the same incline level. You might like that. That's okay too, you yeah. know. So um, I'd say just all, all things to consider here. Number one, what do you enjoy the most? Number two, you know, impact orthopedic cost uh, maybe that's it. think okay. Maybe all things kind of and yeah, thinking about, yes.
1: Yeah, and i what are the activities you normally do? What kind of body type or structure do you have? Yeah, yeah. And maybe let's pick activities that don't encourage more of that overcompensation that might already be there. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like move, move variably, uh, if possible. Right. Cool. So we spent a lot of time on that, but but it's valuable. That's kind of a, it's a big thing. Hey, what are you actually going to do to get this work done? Um, so once you've chosen your modalities, choose how much time per week, you want to spend kind of in these very at these various intensities, right? Um, So you can't really do too much low intensity work because there is a lower recovery cost associated with that, Um, except for, you know, accounting for what we just talked about earlier with the kind of the the impact cost of running or the things like that. Um, But assuming you're, musculoskeletal system is conditioned enough to handle what you're doing as far as like just draining your body you can't really do too much low intensity work you do, you, do, you could do hours of this a week if you're really staying in these lower intensity zones um, and even like the elite port of france winners you know 80 percent of their time plus is in lower intensity zones like this is your base you know the base of that pyramid that peter talked about um, you there's really as much time here as you enjoy and can spend here Go ahead, <laughs> um, to, to put it simply. Um, higher intensity work, you know, kind of one to three times a week, depending on goals and background, but then just be wary of the recovery cost here. Um, so, again, to kind of talking about um, what, what, what's the goal? Hey, if my goal is just to be able to do this when I need it, well, then one time a week is probably plenty. If I'm trying to be an elite performer at, at you know, X sport or something that re- really requires me to, to be able to get in and out of these zones with ease, well, then maybe I need to do a little bit more more often there but this is not something you're trying to do every day um i you know we generally don't recommend you going to the you know 6 a.m boot camp class for monday through saturday and every day you're crawling out of there, heart rate up in the you know top 10 percent uh, of, of your max um your body just isn't really meant to do that that often there there is a more recovery there's a recovery cost here so you know, touch these zones but give yourself time to recover from them as well
1: yeah and i'd say too is like how much time like if you're you're taking a class in your last five minutes, you kind of push it up and that's it. You know, yeah, I could do a little higher frequency that because it's not that much duration, you know, kind of thinking, you know, let's say if I have kind of Kyle hit on it earlier, like 80% plus of some of these guys will do more of that lower zone too. If I'm doing, you know, uh, five hours of, of heart of, of more conditioning work a week, well, maybe an hour of, of that might be of that. And it could it be over like, I might do four Five minute hard intervals on one day. Well, what's that? That's twenty minutes. That's it. Versus like, hey, I might do a few minutes here, a few minutes there, that type of deal. But the gist of it, more of it is that that conversational pace you're working, and less of it is that really hard intense. I mean, very few people, unless you're a mask, just love that burning sensation. You're not gonna have a desire to do it much more than that, anyway. So, but it's important to touch it, but don't feel like you need to spend a ton of time there.
0: Yeah. So yeah, again, what, lots of variants there, but hopefully that gives you just a general idea of things to look out for. Um, excuse me, one second. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so if you need our help to give you uh, time goals here, a good general goal I give clients is just to sh- <laughs> <laughs> um just to shoot for a higher step count, about uh, an hour a week of low intensity time, <clears throat> and hitting higher intensity once a week. That's a pretty good recipe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think it's an effect from his mile run yesterday.
0: Could yeah. be. He was just saying his calves are gonna get blown up. Could be. Could be. So that's just a, again very general recommendation there. You could play with those things a lot. Um, but if you're just looking, hey, what what's a decent recipe to get me, you know, uh, to to improve my fitness level, um, that could be a great place to start. Cool. Awesome. Good end there. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks again for joining us, guys. Again, questions, feel free to reach out. Um, you know, text or or email info at Prevail Conditioning or Kyle, you know, whatever that the best method you guys have to communicate with us, please do that. And we'd be happy to help. But as you can realize, this plays a huge role. Um, Some people, it's naturally part of the life. Other people, it's like, I hate this stuff. I want nothing to do with it. Well, what can we do to find that's fun? So you could start getting some of that in. And can I do just a little bit more than maybe what I'm currently doing?
0: The great great well well said and if you know if you're doing our online program hey if you're coming into prevail and doing work with us you know we're usually going to get the higher intensity box checked during your time with us just because mm-hmm. it is time efficient and even in a you know session where we're doing a lot of other things we can kind of check that box at the end uh, but hey if you could get a higher step count and find something that you love to get you know outside of your your strength sessions can you get some lower intensity time in that'd be a great great recipe for you awesome Water. Yeah, that, that that's your big takeaway. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for listening or watching, spending some time with us, and uh, happy conditioning.
1: Yeah, talk to you next month.